0: Hi, I'm Natalie Bouchard, and you're listening to Inside NC Labor, a podcast designed to inform and educate North Carolina citizens on the role that the Department of Labor plays in state government.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Inside NC Labor. I'm Dolores Questenberry, and I am today's host. And before I introduce today's guest, I just want to mention that she's with our Occupational Safety and Health Division and the OSH division comprises six bureaus and Beth Rodman is the bureau chief for the agricultural safety and health bureau and we're so happy to have you here today good morning everyone thanks for joining us today as Dolores stated my name
0: is Beth Rodman i'm really happy to be here today talking to you all about the agricultural safety health bureau the ASH bureau consists of myself six inspectors and two administrative staff We cover the entire state of North Carolina, all 100 counties. We are charged with enforcing the Migrant Housing Act of North Carolina, the occupational safety and health standards applicable to agriculture, and we also do some on-farm training throughout the year where we go to different farming establishments and provide training for migrant farm workers and also growers and North Carolina employers. The Migrant Housing Act was enacted in 1989 and sets forth all the standards for conducting migrant housing inspections in North Carolina.
1: Give us an example of some of the things that inspectors look for when they're going to a migrant housing camp. Okay, so first I want
0: to back up and talk a little bit about some of our requirements to make sure that all of our listeners understand what the process is. So here in North Carolina, if you provide housing to migrant farm workers, you are required to register your housing with the Ash Bureau. Now the standards say that you have to register at least 45 days in advance. We put you into our inspection program and whatever inspectors assigned to your county, they will contact you and set up a housing inspection. So we call you ahead of time, we set up the inspection, they come out on site and they conduct a walkthrough of the housing site. Here in North Carolina, we have a lot of different types of houses that are used for migrant workers. We have your barrack-style housing, old farmhouses, uh, mobile homes, concrete block camps. So there's a variety of houses. Some farmers will have as few as one or two migrant farm workers, and others will have up to maybe 100 or 200. So we come out, we conduct the walkthrough with you, and they're looking for just the basic requirements of the Migrant Housing Act. So we're gonna make sure that the structure is sound. All the windows must have screens as well as the exterior openings. Each occupant must be provided with a bed. A place to store their clothing, you have to have a kitchen, a stove refrigerator, those sorts of things. Um, basic the basic requirements that you would have in your in your own home you have to have running water and electricity we test to make sure that there's an adequate supply of hot water for the workers they have to have a place to do their laundry, dry their clothes. What are some of the other standards for migrant housing? One of the standards requires that the owner or operator of the migrant house contacts the local health department to, if they have a well or septic, they need to come out and test the water, make sure that it is suitable for drinking, and they also will tell us how many people can occupy that site based on the septic size. So how we determine how many occupants can be in each site is based on two things. One, the size of the septic, and two, the square footage. So when we initially inspect a camp, I'm to, throughout this podcast you'll hear me refer to the migrant housing as migrant housing sites or temporary labor camps. We use those words interchangeably. But we'll go out and measure. In the sleeping areas they're required to have 50 square feet per person and in a common area which would include, let's say they're using a living room for sleeping. So we would measure the living room space and if it's attached to the cooking area we would measure that whole space and it would be, the square footage would be 100 square feet per person. So let's say we go in and based on the measurements, 10 people can occupy that site. If the county health department states that the septic will only serve six people, then we go with the lower number and vice versa. Mm-hmm. If the septic can hold more people but the square footage states less, we would go with the lower number of the two. In other words, the number of occupants in a house will never exceed the septic size, and they will never exceed the square footage. Okay. Uh, so outside of the migrant housing inspections, we are also charged with enforcing the occupational safety and health standards applicable to agriculture. Just like OSH, we are also responsible for ensuring the safety and health of agricultural employees. So during the season or throughout the year, if we receive an employee complaint or we receive a referral from another agency, maybe there's an accident that occurred or a fatality on a farm, our bureau responds to that as well. We would go out and conduct an inspection and determine whether or not any occupational safety and health standards were violated and if employees were exposed to that hazard. Like I said, we have six inspectors that cover the entire state. So we are a small bureau, but we cover a lot of ground. Just to give you an example for the preoccupancy side, in 2018, we conducted almost 1,900 migrant housing inspections. It's
1: such a great service that we provide, honestly. When you think about how important the migrant workers are to our state, when you think about the crops that they harvest, And they come in actually in February, correct?
0: Growers request their employees based on the needs on their farm. Some of the earlier arrivals come in early February. Those workers may come in to see greenhouses and start the process of growing the plants. And then they'll stagger in throughout the season, depending on the crop. A lot of workers come in for harvest, tobacco, sweet potatoes, blueberries, tomatoes, you name it.
1: Aren't most of the crops in North Carolina hand harvested? Yes, we have a lot of crops that are hand
0: harvested here that require a lot of workers. I think also in 2018, based on the number of beds that we certified migrant camps for, there was close to 23,000 migrant farm workers that came into the state of North Carolina. The majority of those workers come through the guest worker program, the H-2A program. One of the requirements of the H-2A program is that the migrant housing has to be certified 30 days prior to the arrival of the workers. So, for example, for those early arrival dates, our bureau, the inspectors from our bureau have to get out there and inspect the migrant housing in January. The H-2A program is a way for workers to come here with an H-2A visa to work in agriculture. The growers in North Carolina rely heavily on the H-2A program to ensure that they have enough workers to harvest their crops,
1: plant their crops. Okay, so Beth, what happens if you go out and conduct a preoccupancy inspection and you find violations? So the preoccupancy
0: inspection process is consultative in nature in that during preoccupancy inspections all the violations that are observed are simply noted in an inspection report. We give the report to the grower or the owner and operator of that migrant site to make the repairs. They will make the repairs, submit the form to us, and sign affirming that all the violations have been corrected at that point if we have already received the water and septic report from the health department we will issue a housing certificate i review all the housing certificates that come through our office and then we mail them out to the employer and they post them in the housing site so that if they receive a mid-season inspection and by mid-season i mean while the workers are there occupying the home if someone from my bureau comes out or somebody from the United States Department of Labor, they will be able to verify that that house is certified by the North Carolina Department of Labor. Awesome. So that is one thing that I would like for employers or growers that have never registered housing with us, I would like for them to know that there are no citations or penalties involved with that process. It's We go out, we tell you what you need to repair you make the changes and we issue a certificate. Now we can come out mid-season to verify that corrections have been made. For example, if if we have been inspecting somebody for several years and every year we notice that it's the same violations, every time we go out to inspect, we may go out mid-season to verify that they are actually making the abatements prior to the workers' arrival.
1: So Beth, you all provide a great service then. Say you had a grower that's new to the area and doesn't know about the standards he could call your bureau and ask you to come out absolutely and walk through and explain rather than having to read all the standards and we know how complicated those can be if you read the standard books right absolutely and it's actually our preference that growers do
0: contact us ahead of time because one thing we don't want them to do is spend money on something that may not meet the standards or spend money on things that aren't necessary there have been Growers in the past who have contacted us after building a new migrant camp. And, you know, once they've gone through and they've built this camp, they've spent a lot of money, we come in and go, that's not going to meet the standard, and it may be very expensive for them to make the changes. So we prefer that they contact us up front. Right. We'll cover all the standards with them. Sometimes we will get them in contact with other growers who may be able to give them some insight on the construction process and why they made the decision to build the camp the way that they did some some growers have barrack style camps where they may arrange all the workers to sleep in one building and then they'll separate out the kitchen facilities and have the bathrooms separate after they after they build their camps you know hindsight People look back and go, oh, I wish I had done it this way. So we like to connect the growers so that they can talk to other growers to see what they would do differently or would they do it the same way again.
1: Uh-huh. It's really neat. And your predecessor began the Gold Star Growers Program that recognizes the ones that go above and beyond yes. the standards, correct? So
0: Regina Colin, the former Bureau Chief, she started the Gold Star Grower Program in 1992. And the Gold Star Grower Program is used to recognize growers who go above and beyond the requirements of the Migrant Housing Act. In order to be recognized as a Gold Star grower, growers must register their housing at least 45 days prior to the expected arrival date of the workers. They need to be hundred percent in compliance during the preoccupancy inspection, and then they have to go above and beyond the requirements. Some growers may provide additional showers or recreational space, air conditioning. Air conditioning is not a requirement of the Migrant Housing Act. In addition, they may provide extra toilets. For example, the Migrant Housing Act requires one showerhead per 10 workers. You can imagine coming back from the field, hot summer day, everyone wants to take a shower. And they're you know, 10 workers, one showerhead. So some of our gold star growers may have three showerheads for 10 workers. One of the perks of the gold star grower program is that the first year that a grower is designated as a gold star, they're considered a single gold star. So the second year in a row, if they're designated as a gold star, because once they're a gold star doesn't mean that they remain a gold star. Every year they have to meet these requirements and continue to improve their housing and, and maintain the gold star standard their second year, they would be considered a double Gold Star, so in their third year, if they attend our Gold Star Grower Luncheon, which is a um, it's an annual meeting that we host every year to recognize our Gold Star Growers, if they attend that meeting, they can self-inspect the third year, and then they would start the process over again as a single, double, and so forth. Mary Catherine and I were lucky enough to be able to attend the Gold Star Growers meeting this year. Um, It was awesome. A lot of interesting speakers. We got to see some awards given by Commissioner Berry and yourself. Speak a little bit about about that this year's. So this year's the Gold Star Grower Meeting was uh, the 25th annual Gold Star Grower Meeting. In 2018, we recognized 174 double gold star growers and 94 single gold star growers now they don't all attend but we hold the event at the fairgrounds the same time as the farm show Uh, we know that growers will be coming in from across the state to the farm show and we try and do it at the same time so that it's convenient for them to come and we know that they have to travel pretty far we used to host the Gold Star Grower events uh, in several locations across the state due to funding. We just, we couldn't do that anymore. So we just hold one event every year. It's a two-day event because the program has grown so much since 1992
1: that we have to have two days in a row due to attendance. That's awesome. That's awesome that it's grown so much. I know. That's a, that's a tribute right. to the, the work that you all are doing. We appreciate you coming on Inside NC Labor and explaining a little bit about the Ash Bureau to our listeners.
0: Appreciate y'all having me today. If anyone has any questions, they can contact our bureau. Our number is 919-707-7820. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much for tuning in, y'all. Remember, your safety is our priority.